Hey there, Miranda Wilson here with Lesson Ideas, the science journal for kids podcast where we discuss new scientific articles that we've adapted and how you can use them in your classroom. Welcome to the sixth episode of Lesson Ideas. Have you ever wondered how far birds fly when they migrate? What cool places have they seen before they arrive in your backyard or local green space? Do you wonder what might happen to migrating birds when the climate changes? Students love birds, especially birds of prey. So what better avenue for students to learn about the impacts of climate change? The article, How Will Climate Change Affect Arctic Birds by Dr. Xianjiang Zhang and their colleagues would be a great addition to any classroom lesson. First, a quick summary of the article. Peregrine falcons are famous for their super fast diving flights, but that's not the only thing that they're good at. Peregrines are also world travelers. Researchers tracked peregrine falcons migrating from the Arctic to their winter habitat. Some went all the way from Northern Russia to the tropics. Xiang Zhang and his colleagues wanted to know how climate change and genetics affect the way peregrines migrate. So they used a computer program to predict how the Arctic would change over the next 50 years. They compared the peregrines' current summer and winter habitats to the computer prediction and found that summer habitats, where the birds breed, are shrinking, while their winter habitats are growing. They tracked migration paths for peregrines from six places in the Eurasian Arctic and found that some peregrines traveled more than five times as far as other peregrines. When they looked at the peregrines' DNA, they saw that there were differences between the peregrines who had short migrations and those who had long migrations. Make sure to check out the rest of the article on our website. Here's a bit more information about peregrine falcons and climate change to share with your students. Peregrine falcons are some of the fastest aerial predators and hunt by diving from great heights. Some researchers estimate that peregrine falcons could reach up to 200 miles per hour during these dives. Peregrine falcons primarily consume other birds, but have been known to eat small mammals occasionally. They live in a variety of open habitats, but sometimes limited nesting sites and food availability cause them to move into more urban areas where they're known to eat a lot of pigeons. Along with many other large birds of prey, peregrine falcon populations were in danger in the mid 20th century. Large uses of pesticides like DDT made eggshells brittle and the populations of many of these birds decreased. Currently, the peregrine population is stable and even increasing in some areas. Lots of birds migrate as food and nesting resources change with the seasons. Migration can be triggered by a variety of signals like day length, genetics, changes in food availability, or even temperature. Studying migration can be tough but scientists can track birds through banding, geolocators, or satellite trackers, like they did in this study of peregrine falcons. Unfortunately, migrating birds encounter lots of dangers, like bad weather or distractions from the light of large urban areas. 
The Audubon Society has a lights out program to encourage people to turn off their lights during certain nocturnal migration periods. They also have a migratory bird initiative that uses the most up-to-date information to inform local decision makers on how to protect and conserve migratory bird populations and habitats along migration routes. Check out the show notes for links to more information about bird migration and these conservation programs. While birds are really cool, our article today is also about the impacts of the changing climate. Climate change is a complex topic and has many far-reaching effects on humans and other organisms. Fortunately, there are lots of great resources out there to help you bring the most up-to-date and relevant information to your students. Our first recommendation is to visit the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration's, or NOAA's, website about the impacts of climate change. Find the link in the show notes. The website gives a nice overview of how the climate affects water, food, human health, and infrastructure, among others. There are copious links to more specific and data-based information about each impact. And if you scroll to the bottom of the page, you'll find a link to NOAA's Education Connection, which provides access to their climate literacy principles, which are designed to help teachers pass along correct and important information about climate change to their students. It also has a database of ongoing professional development focused on climate change. If you have little kids or younger classroom, you may want to explore NASA's Climate Kids website. The link is in our show notes. It's full of short videos, games, and animations exploring all sorts of topics associated with climate change. Students can learn a lot about climate change by looking at time-lapse animations and videos based on real-world data. We've included links to some of the more popular NASA animations in the show notes. These include a temperature change spiral visualization, a world temperature time-lapse video, and a time-lapse of Arctic sea ice melting. These visualizations are great jumping off points for discussions about climate change in your classrooms. Climate change is something we all hear a lot about. Our students today will be the ones growing up to solve the problems of climate change in the future. Unfortunately, it's really easy to talk about climate change by running through all the doomsday problems it's created for humanity. But students often get discouraged and depressed when they learn about climate change just through discussion of the negative impacts. It's been shown that students respond more strongly and more positively to climate change curriculum when it's solution focused. So while you're teaching about the problems we'll face from climate change, make sure to also discuss solutions to the problems as well, and especially how students themselves can help. This week's lesson is all about introducing the concepts of climate change to your students using activities and data. This curriculum comes from the American Museum of Natural History, which has a series of lessons on climate change in polar regions for a variety of age groups, including some for teachers. I've included a link to their collection, along with a link to the lesson we'll be highlighting today called Why Are All the Glaciers Melting? 
The lesson for today is actually a collection of five lessons designed for sixth grade classrooms and introduces different facets of climate change. It includes background and NGSS information for teachers and includes links to all the graphs and data that are used in the activities. The first activity introduces the concept of the carbon cycle through a dice game. Students, acting as carbon molecules, travel around the classroom to different reservoirs where carbon is stored, like the atmosphere or the ocean or within animals and plants. At each station, they roll the dice to see where they will end up next in the cycle. There are lots of versions of this activity out there on the internet but all of them do a great job showing students that carbon is continually moving between the reservoirs, but can get stuck in places like the atmosphere when people disrupt the cycle, in this case, through carbon emissions. The second, third, and fourth activities explore basic data about climate change. For example, the second activity explores carbon dioxide emissions by examining graphs of increasing concentrations in the atmosphere. This data exploration is followed up by students calculating their own carbon emissions and can be capped off with a discussion about how students can limit their own emissions. The third activity explores data about changing temperatures along the surface of the Earth and then correlates them to melting glaciers and sea level rise. The visualizations we mentioned before would be great supplements to the data in this activity. Students examine the data first and then conduct an experiment melting ice and recording sea level rise in microcosms in the classroom. This experiment is followed up with the fourth activity in the lesson plan which has students look at sea level rise across the world using data from a variety of coastal urban areas. Unfortunately, the link provided to access the data no longer works, but there is a great tool that NOAA has developed to predict the impacts of sea level rise in coastal areas of the US. If students have access to computers, they can explore the interactive map themselves or you can display the map to your students. The link to this great tool is in the show notes for you. The fifth lesson in this curriculum has students examine feedback loops related to climate change, but it doesn't have great connections to data. I'd recommend if you wanna talk about feedback loops with your classes to do a quick activity where students measure temperatures over different surfaces. This can be followed up with a discussion of albedo that can then be connected to melting glaciers and positive feedback loops. NASA has a great experiment for middle schoolers examining albedo that you can check out in the show notes. That brings us to our teaching tip for this week. Sometimes students get frustrated with science because of all the new jargon they need to learn. Each of our articles contains a glossary of scientific terms that students might not know from the article. In the text, they are either italicized or bolded. If students are having trouble understanding new words, try having them work in pairs to create their own glossary as they read the article. Just make sure to clear up any misunderstandings about vocabulary before moving on to more complex lines of questioning. 
That's all the time we have for today. If you liked what you heard, thought it was helpful, and learned some cool stuff, please share with your friends and colleagues. If you have questions or comments, please share them in the feedback form on our website. You can also sign up for our free monthly newsletter to learn about our latest content. And as always, please visit our website, sciencejournalforkids.org, for more free science teaching resources.